Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Seven ways to destroy a suicidal spirit. Seven ways that you can actually take dominion in the region of your mind, your soul, your spirit, and come out of depression and come in to the joy of the Lord. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so it's no wonder that the enemy seeks to take out your joy. He seeks to strip you of joy. He seeks to knock down your joy. Because it's, the Bible says it, the joy of the Lord that acts as your strength, that keeps you divinely strong and energized. You take out joy, the devil doesn't have to worry about you being a strong Christian. When he takes out joy, he takes out your strength too. And that's the foundation. Joy is the foundation of every fruitful, victorious Christian. I'm going to say that again. Joy is the foundation of every fruitful and victorious Christian. The Bible says in Joel chapter 1, let me read this. Joel chapter 1. Book of Joel, in the first chapter. Where's Joel? Joel, come on now. Come, come on out. Joel chapter 1 and verse, verse 12. The vine has dried up. The fig tree has withered away. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree, the apple tree. Yea, all the trees of the field have withered away. So everything's dying. Everything's receding. There's no strength. There's no life. There's no vitality. Why? Joel says it. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. So he says the vine has dried up. The fig tree has withered away. There's no fruit. Everything is dry and dead and dull and mundane. You know, when you talk to someone who has suicidal thoughts, that's how they see life. Everything's gray. There's like a, a, a filter on their eyes. They see everything in gray. They have a hard time seeing colors. Everything's dry. Everything's dead. Everything's rainy. Everything's gloomy. There's no life in anything. And the Bible says it's because joy is missing. Joy has withered away from the sons of men. You continue reading. Verse 15 says, Alas for the day. The day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Verse 16. Is not food cut off from before our eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God. So you see, is not food cut out from before our eyes? Meaning, you, you talk to people who are depressed. They don't even have an appetite. They don't even want to eat. I've been there. I'm not doing this broadcast from a position of like, I've heard about it only. I've been in those shoes. I've been where I didn't want to eat anything. I, when I had OCD and anxiety and depression to the point where I had gone down to 105 pounds, I couldn't eat anything. I had no appetite. I lost all that weight, not because I was on a diet. I didn't, I didn't have the desire to eat. And then even when I did eat, the, the, the depression, the anxiety, it so affected my biology that it, it actually caused me to vomit everything out, no matter what I ate. Even if I had banana, I'd throw it up because... I, I don't know, it just, it just messed up my, my, my physiology. And so when you talk to someone like that, it's not that they don't want to be better. There's something at work in their life that's causing them, that's affecting not only their mind, but even their biology. You know, there's an attack against this generation. 
And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm through with hearing preachers referring these people to just counseling and referring these people to medication and referring these people to, to all kinds of natural means and methods. There's a supernatural enemy at work, the devil. He's a real adversary, a real enemy. The Bible says you're the devil, your adversary, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's, he's looking to devour. The Bible says the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so there's this invisible enemy at work. But he's, though he's invisible, he's very real. He's very real. If you study the book of Mark, chapter 5 and chapter 9, in chapter 5 you have the gathering demoniac. The script, let me read it actually. Mark chapter 5. I, I want to read these scriptures because I think sometimes people think I'm making it up to like suit my, my, my doctrine. But this is in the Bible. Mark chapter 5. This is what the Bible says. Verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. It doesn't say a man with a chemical imbalance. It doesn't say a man. Actually, I just studied this recently. It, in the last 10 months, science has actually shown, because pre previous to this, they, depression, anxiety disorders, all of it was just mental. It was all in the brain. It was all because of chemicals being imbalanced and lack of serotonin levels or whatever. But recently, they've discovered, within the last year, they've discovered that all of that was a sham. All of that it had nothing to do with the actual biology of man. That there's a, they, they don't understand the root cause of depression. They don't understand the root cause of anxiety. Well, I'm going to show you the root cause of it all. The root cause is that there's a real devil. Listen to this. This man had an unclean spirit. Didn't say he had a lack of serotonin in the brain and that's why he was in the tombs. No, he had an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. You see what happens is these, these preachers don't believe in deliverance. These preachers that just refer people to counselors and psychiatry and medication and all that, they don't believe in deliverance. They don't believe in the, the supernatural things of the Word of God. Everything's been naturalized for them. Everything's come down. It's been reduced to just a natural order of things. But my brother and sister, don't be deceived. Though we live in the natural, though we walk in the flesh, Paul said, the weapons of our warfare don't work against, against flesh and blood, uh, against spiritual enemies. The weapons, you can't take up a sword, you can't take up pills, you can't take up medication, and it actually fend off the devil. You look at these people that start off at 25 milligrams of whatever, and then they're on a 50, and then they're on a 75, then they're on a 100. They never come off the pills. They just up the dosage so that they're more dulled down so that whatever unclean spirit desires to, to, to make them feel a certain way, their biology has been tricked into not feeling that. But it doesn't actually cure the problem. It doesn't actually get to the root cause of the thing. And I don't want to be a preacher that is a referral center. I don't want to be a preacher that just tells you, hey, you know, those things were for Bible days. And I know you've read of Jesus healing the brokenhearted then. But I'm telling you, we've come a long way in medical science. We've come a long way in technology. We've come a long way in, 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 um, 
in, medic, in the medical departments and the pharmaceutical industry has advanced so much. I'm telling you something, and mark my words, though, and I think that a lot of people have been awakened to this in the last three years. The pharmaceutical industry is not after your well-being. I know it might seem like that. I'm not saying your local pharmacist doesn't want to see you well. I'm not saying the doctor that prescribed the meds doesn't want to see you well. I'm saying the heads of the pharmaceutical industry are not for you being well. Why can I say that with absolute authority and confidence? Because when they have, first of all, those companies are publicly traded companies. And when they have their meetings and their corporate gatherings and their, their yearly uh, annual meetings, they're not talking about this many people are off our medication. They're not talking about how this many people no longer need to take our medication. They're talking about profits. They're talking about how many more people are on the medication. They're not talking about how many people we can get off this medication. They want to see how many people they can plug into our pharmaceutical system so that they can make more money. They're publicly traded stocks. There's no company on the stock market that wants to, uh, that wants to, 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 to become less profitable. They want more profit. And their profiting is at your, at your expense. Their profiting is at your expense. Their medication is not designed to take you off. Their medication is designed to hook you in so that you're stuck the rest of your life. But I'm here to tell you, there's a better way. There's a God in heaven. Jesus Christ, his name is Prince of Peace. And he said, come to me if you're heavily laden. Come to me if you're broken down and have no rest. Come to me if you have suicidal thoughts and tendencies. Come to me if you want to kill yourself and you want to end your life. He said, come to me if you're heavily burdened by the pressures of life. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. It's easy and my burden, it's light. Jesus obliterated the sorrows of men. He said in the Old Testament, the, the psalmist said that weeping endures for the night. But when God's power hits a person, joy comes in the morning. And I see the joy of the Holy Ghost coming on you as you sit and listen through this broadcast. Romans chapter 14 and 17. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is not in me, neither is it in, in drink. But it is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the custodian and carrier of heaven heavenly joy and that joy I see it filling your heart and those suicidal thoughts those deceptive lies of the devil telling you that if you just killed yourself if you just overdosed if you just pulled the trigger that you'd feel better all of those lies are being washed out and joy like a river is gonna burst out from within you in Jesus name and today will be the last day you ever have a suicidal thought in Jesus name Hallelujah. An unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and nobody could bind him. No human effort, no medication, no nothing could bind him. Not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him. See, they tried the natural. They tried to hold him down. They tried to help him like that. It didn't work. Nobody can bind him. There's nobody that could bind him. Our, the Bible says our warfare our wrestling is not with flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers in heavenly places. 
And you can't use natural means and methods to fend off a supernatural enemy. Only the supernatural power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit can do such a thing. That's why in Isaiah 61 it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me. One of the things that the Holy Spirit anoints people for is to, instead of the, um, instead of the, the spirit of heaviness, they have garlands of praise. Instead of mourning, He gives them the oil of joy. That's why David said, Thou hast anointed my head with fresh oil, my, my cup runs over. When the oil of joy pours out over your life. God pours out the oil of joy on you. Your cup begins to run over with what Peter said, a joy that is not explainable and it's full of glory. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day. See, always, night and day. You talk to people and if this is you, you understand what I'm saying. You can't, it, can't, it doesn't stop. You want to make it stop. You want the thoughts to go away. It doesn't stop. They linger. They're intrusive thoughts. They're buffeting thoughts like a wave hitting the sea, uh, hitting the shores of the, of the sea. It's just over and over and over again. And you've tried. You've tried everything. It doesn't stop. It's nighttime and it's daytime. At nighttime, you want to go to bed. And then in daytime, you want to stay in bed. It, it, it doesn't stop. There's no end to it. He was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out. And cutting himself with stones. See, that's where self-harm comes in. A lot of people, they, they resort to self-harm. Do you think cutting, them, cutting yourself was a new thing? Do you think people cutting themselves is some novelty? Some 2020 thing or 2000 thing? You know, this generation, they started doing this. We've never heard this before. No, people have resorted to self-harm since Bible days. You read in 1 Kings 18, when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a contestation over which God was pow more powerful, whether Baal or God was the most powerful God. The Bible says when the prophets of Baal began to worship their God, they took up sharp stones and began to ev eviscerate, just totally lacerate their arms. They started to cut their arms and took their blood. Because you understand this, the demon that's at work behind the suicidal, uh, suicidal person, the demon that acts as a spirit of bondage to pe bring people into a fear and a desire to end their life, that demon desires to be worshipped and part of the way it's worshipped is through the shedding of blood. The devil loves when people shed blood. That's why you see the, the, the self-harm. That's why you see people inflicting wounds on their wrist. Because that they don't even know they're doing this. But the devil's receiving that as worship. The devil's receiving that as a form of sacrifice to himself. He loves that. That's why the prophets of Baal did it. It didn't work because he didn't, the devil doesn't have power to send fire from heaven. But you understand, this whole cutting yourself isn't a new thing. This man did it in Mark 5. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. And he said, Come out of the unclean spirit. Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Notice how Jesus said, He didn't gather the disciples around. He said, You know, I know in this first century Christianity, 
You know, there's people that think this is an unclean spirit. There's people that think this is a demonic activity. There's people that call this a suicidal spirit and stuff. But I want you to know, medical science hasn't caught up. But in heaven, we already understand this to be that this is just a lack of serotonin in the brain. This is just a chemical imbalance. This guy just having a rough time. You know, there's no demon. Demons are just fiction. Demons are just a fairy tale Christianity. Demons have not. It's just something to work people up. There's no exist. There's no, no proof of their existence. Jesus didn't, he, Jesus did not deny the existence of the unclean spirit at work. And so why are preachers doing that? That's my question. They're doing people a disservice. And I don't know why they're doing it. I guess it's because they don't want to offend someone into thinking like, wow, there's actually a devil that's on, a devil's attacking me. I don't know why people see that as like some some offensive thing. I, man, if I was being attacked by someone, if I had someone TPing my house or egging my house every day, I wouldn't be offended if someone came and told me, this kid down the block's the one that's egging your house. I wouldn't say, how could you say that? Oh my gosh. I, you know, people are trying to deny the reality of things that there's actually an enemy. I wouldn't want someone to, tell, to, to not tell me. I would want someone to identify my enemy. Part of being delivered is identifying and shedding light on the source of the attack. Finding out the origins of the problem. If you don't expose the enemy, he is the prince of darkness. He operates in darkness. Jesus said, the prince of darkness. The prince of this world. Paul said, that we are not to be ignorant of his attacks, lest we should be a, a, taken advantage by him. Lest we should be his victim our entire lives. So the devil works in darkness. He's the ruler of darkness, the prince of darkness, and he operates in darkness. But the moment light is shed on him, the moment you, you shine a light on the cockroaches, what happens? They scatter. The moment you, you shine the light of the word of God on the attack and the origin and the source of the attack, he scatters. That's the number one step to actually receiving freedom is you understand that this is not God making me sad. There's some people that teach that sometimes the depression is God working things out. It ain't God working things out. He's... And we're going to get into it. He's in his presence, his fullness of joy. So how can he bring depression? He doesn't even know what depression is. He's full of joy. He only brings joy. He leads out his people with joy, the Bible says. So it's not God. It's not some uh, uh, mental problem only. There's a, there's a real enemy and Jesus identified it. He said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? He said, I am legion for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. This is why I opened this story. What happened the moment the, the, the demons entered into the swine? You understand, swine, pig, do not have the level of willpower that humans have. And so even if a demon is in a human being... The, the willpower of the human is, it challenges the desire of the demon spirit. So even though that demon spirit that was in that man wanted him to kill himself a long time ago, that's why he was cutting himself with stones. He wanted that man to, to, to die a long time ago. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But because of the man's willpower, he was able to like at least keep himself alive, preserve his life. 
But the moment that demon went into the swine, the pigs, animals don't have the willpower human beings have. And so they, they immediately succumb to the, the, the spirit at work behind the scenes. So what happened? The herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And that is the objective of every suicidal spirit, every demon unclean spirit, is to, to get people to... What did it do to the swine? The swine committed suicide right on the spot. They jumped into the water, ran violently there, and, and uh, drowned them in the sea. And that's the enemy's objective. That's why you have to deal with a suicidal spirit. You can't ignore it. You can't just hope it goes away. You have to deal with it. Or you'll end up like those pigs. Mark chapter 9. The boys brought to Jesus. A man brings his boy to Jesus and said, I came to your disciples. They couldn't cast them out. But you, if you can help me, do something. Jesus said, if I can. He said, how long has this been happening to the child? And, he, and the father of the child said, ever since childhood, ever since childhood, this demon has thrown him both into water and into fire, seeking to destroy him. So there you have two examples of a suicidal spirit. It's real. It's real. And I hope this has convinced you. You know, there are people, they lost a loved one. There was a tragedy in their family. They lost their job. And for a moment, they want to kill themselves. But then they shrug it off and that's it. They never think about it again. I'm not saying that person, there's a suicidal spirit at work. But the person that's constantly having recurring thoughts, invasive thoughts, buffeting thoughts, thoughts to kill themselves. They look at a ledge. They look at a ledge overseeing a, uh, you know, on a building, overseeing the city. And their first thought is, I wonder, you know, it would feel nice if I just threw myself off. I could just end it all. That's, that's not natural. I'm sorry, that's not natural. I know the world loves to think of it as natural. Those are just natural thoughts sometimes. No, it ain't natural. It's not natural. It actually, you know, you know uh, the, the whole survival of the fittest thing of Darwin, which I, you know, I don't believe in Darwin's theory and stuff, obviously. But Darwin's theory of the survival of the fittest, in that man has survived because man prioritizes his life and, and you know, he takes care of his life or whatever. It goes against human, it even, it, that's how unnatural it is. It even goes against human nature, which is to preserve life. Jesus said he had desires to save his life, identifying that human nature, even before obeying God most of the time. That's why Jesus had to have that Gethsemane moment where he said, not mine will, but thine be done. Because the number one will of man is for self-preservation. Suicide even goes against that. That's how you know it ain't natural. And so I want you, if you haven't already, share this broadcast. Because I'm going to get into right now seven ways. Seven ways that you can destroy a suicidal spirit. So I'm going to remind you, you can't take a pill and get rid of a devil. Let me, let, me, let me say that again. You can't take a pill and get rid of the devil. You can't medicate demons. You can't do it. And it's not in discussing your childhood trauma with a, a therapist that these things are going to go. The devil's sitting behind just laughing. Oh, talk away. Enjoy. Talk. I'll be back on Thursday. All it does is, you know, you give all, and I've seen it growing up in high school, and they wanted to prescribe pills to me when I was in high school, and then I finally took them later on in life. All it does is it makes you a zombie. You're so dulled down. It's like, really, the reason why it gives them a sense of peace is because the demon needs your body and your brain and your soul in order to operate. And so these medications, all it does is it dulls you down to the point where your body's so useless, it can't, the devil can't even use your body anymore. He can't even make you feel anything 
because the, the medication has so dulled your brain that it, it's, it's resisting even the feelings. And so if, you, if that's what you're into, you know, I have people, I talk like this and I have people write all, like on TikTok, I had some guys say, you know, I can't believe you're saying this, God can use, God, God will use medication and therapists. You know, we don't, pretty much we don't need the Holy Spirit's help, God can use medication and therapists. You want to go that way? Be my guest. But I know, I know that there are people that are watching me right now and will watch on the replay. And I believe this broadcast specifically, I have a special feeling that this one's going to reach a lot of people. And I believe that there are people watching that aren't interested in medication. They've done it. They've tried it. They don't like it. There are people like me in 2012 who aren't interested in spending $140 a counseling session to go and see a therapist who gives you an elastic to just, you know, pinch your wrist every, every time you have a bad thought. I'm through with that. I, I have a supernatural God. I believe in a supernatural Jesus. I'm going to partake of the supernatural power of God. I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God. There's a lot of preachers, they're ashamed of it. They're ashamed of the working of the Holy Spirit. They're ashamed of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Not knowing that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is actually what is going to untie the bonds of hell that bring people into suicide. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the laying on of hands. I'm not ashamed of the move of the Spirit and the, that sets the captives free. Like Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to tell you today that are watching. The day of you being held in captivity ended yesterday. The day of you being locked up in prison cells ended yesterday. From today, you're moving on into the joy of the Lord. You're, you're coming out of depression and into joy. Out of anxiety and into peace. Out of death, into life. Out of judgment, in into right standing with God. Hallelujah. If you believe that, put amen in the chat. Let's get in it. Seven steps to destroying a suicidal spirit. Number one, Psalm 1611. Get into God's presence. You want to destroy a suicidal spirit? You need to get into the presence of God. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. For in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore in your presence is fullness of joy so if someone comes to me and says I don't have any joy I can automatically deduct you haven't been in his presence you haven't just because you prayed doesn't mean you accessed his presence because there's a lot of people, they storm into prayer thinking that that's the access point to God's presence. It's not. Psalm 100. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and I'll enter his courts with praise. You want to destroy a suicidal spirit? Get into God's presence. Because the presence of God carries the fullness of joy and that's the solution to the fullness of depression. That would lead someone to suicide. And the access point, the gateway to his presence is thanksgiving in your heart and praise in your mouth. There's a lot of people, they've never, they've never taken time to praise God. They've never taken time, even in their prayer life. They don't take time 
to the first five minutes, first ten minutes. Just lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting and give God praise for all that He's done, for all that He's done at Calvary, for all that He did in Jesus. They've never done that. For most, a lot of people, prayer is just a complaining session. It's just a time to go and vent to God everything that happened today, how unhappy you are, how unhappy you are with what happened here. That's not the purpose of prayer. You, you can't even have God's ear unless you first have have praised Him. Unless you have first, you don't have God's attention until you have first entered into His gates with thanksgiving in your heart. You know, in, in Acts chapter 16, we see the story of Paul and Silas in prison. And they had prayed. Nothing happened. Because they, I guess they must have forgotten because the scripture says that after that, they praised God with hymns and songs. And it was when they started to praise God that the foundations of the prison was shaken. Suicidal thoughts is a prison. Suicide, suicidal thoughts and invasive thoughts of depression is like a prison cell. It's like shackles and chains. And when Paul and Silas began to switch on the switch of praise, that's when the shackles fell. That's when the prison doors opened. That's when the foundation of the prison was shaken and they were all set free. Why is it that there was an earthquake the moment they started to praise God? Because when God, the Bible says in Psalm 114, when God arises, let um, Psalm 114, let the earth tremble. Let all the earth tremble and quake at the presence of the Lord. When God arises and enters into a place, there's a shaking that happens. And when God shakes things up, it's not good things that fall off. It's the bad things. It's the chains. It's the shackles. It's the depression. It's the anxiety that causes depression, that begins to leave you. It's the shackles of sorrow of heart. It's the shackles of wanting to kill yourself. All those things leave you as you enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise because Thou, Psalm 22, 3, Thou, O Lord, inhabit the praises of your people. God lives in your praise. See, God answers prayers, but God lives in your praise. You feel like there's depression in your home. You want to know the way out? Start to praise God. Start to put praise music on in your home. And I don't mean just any type of Christian contemporary worship or Christian contemporary artist, because a lot of it's full of baloney. A lot of it doesn't have the anointing on it. Don't just play something because they say the name Jesus and you think it's Christian. Don't just play something because that's a Christian artist. Because there's a lot of Christian artists, their songs fuel depression. I'm telling you. There's a lot of Christian singers. Their songs fuel depression. Their songs fuel bondage. Their songs actually do the opposite. They don't lead people into His presence, which is fullness of joy. They lead people away from His presence. All focused on how things have been. All the singer's lyrics. All focused on how hard life is. That's not, that's not anointed. The, the psalmist doesn't talk about, you know, how hard life is. And then, you know, there's no positive element to the psalm. Even when the psalmist brought up the problems of his life, he always ended it with, I know the Lord's going to make a way for me. I would have lost heart had the Lord not been on my side. I would have lost heart had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So take inventory of the songs you're playing. Just because it has a Christian uh, theme or whatever doesn't mean the anointing's on that. Listen to praise music. There's a lot of people, all they do is worship. And worship is good. Worship is needed. You need to worship. But the Bible doesn't say you enter His gates with worship. It says with praise. With praise. There's a difference. There's a big difference. 
Because worship, worship is the exaltation of Jesus because of who He is. Praise is, is exalting God's power. It's exalting what He's done. It's thanking Him. That's what thanksgiving is. It's thanking Him for everything that He's done. There's a place to worship, and I worship, and I take much time in my prayer time to worship. And I'm not saying it's not valuable. I'm saying that you can't, re you can't just take out praise and just replace it with worship. You have to do them both. You enter His gates with praise. Praise God for what He's done. I don't feel like I have anything to thank Him for. Are you alive? Do you have breath in your lungs? Is there a beat in your heart? Is there a... a, a you know, you, you still have a roof over your head. You know, if you've lost anything in life, it's because of God that you haven't lost everything. And so take time to exalt God. Praise Him for what He's done. Praise Him for His mighty acts, the Bible says. The Bible says one generation shall praise His works to another. Praise Him for what He did at Calvary. You'll find out when you start to do this, you might go into prayer. With, uh, with suicidal thoughts and you, have, you, you just want to end your life and you feel weighed down by the spirit of heaviness. But then you start to lift up God. You start to magnify Him with your mouth and with your heart. You start to draw near unto God and then His presence of fullness of joy draws near to you. You'll find out really quick. You don't even have to pray for deliverance from these thoughts. You don't even have to ask God to help you on it. All of a sudden, just like a fish can't survive out of water, the devil cannot survive an atmosphere that is charged and loaded with praise. Hallelujah. Praise is an invitation God will never turn down. And when God, you know, when God steps in, He, he comes with an entourage. He doesn't come alone. He comes with an entourage. And part of that entourage is joy. Part of that entourage is peace like a river. Part of that entourage is healing. It's restoration. It's salvation. It's all kinds of good things. Every good and perfect gift is part of His entourage. So if you're feeling weighed down, instead of complaining, instead of just talking about how bad things have been, instead of just speaking of your situation and your circumstance, do the op. It's easy. In the flesh, it's so easy to just talk about what's bothering you. It's so easy in the flesh. That's, anybody can do that. The heathen who doesn't even know God can do that. That's the easy thing to do. You know what's the faith thing to do? And sometimes the faith thing to do is not the easiest thing to do. But you know what the faith thing to do is? It's to lift up your hands. Like David. You know, David, you want to talk about someone who is depressed. David in Psalm, uh, 1 Samuel 30, he goes out for war, comes back, and the enemy had actually had a sneak attack on the camp. They burnt up everything, took their woman and children captive, and it was so rough that the people, his own soldiers, turned on David, the leader, and wanted to stone and kill him. And David, the Bible says, and all the people in the camp, they began to weep, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Depressed. And what did David do? He realized all this crying ain't solving nothing. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and praise the Lord. He went and encouraged himself in the Lord. I bet you that's when Psalm 27 was, was written down, was penned down. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom can I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Though my enemies and my foes come against me, they will stumble and they will fall, and my God will turn things for my good according to his power. I'm sure that's what he began to sing. Maybe he sang Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Yea, bless him with 
all that is in me. Notice how he didn't say, bless the Lord when you feel like it. He was speaking to his soul. His soul is where your will is. Your soul is where your will is. You have the willpower in spite of what's going on. You have the willpower to say, I will bless the Lord. Psalm 34, I will, not I'll feel like it sometimes. I will, despite what I'm feeling in my biology, I'm not run by what I see, what I think, what I feel. I go by what the word of God says and the word of God says I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually flow from my mouth. Number one way you can break and get free from the spirit of suicide is to cultivate a lifestyle of praise and gratitude. Habakkuk 3, the Bible says, even though the, the, the palm tree is not blossoming, even though the fig tree is not blossoming, even though there's no calves in the stall, meaning even our livestock is gone. They've totally been bankrupted. He said, even if everything around me make, makes me feel like I want to end things early, that the prophet Habakkuk said, yet in God I will praise his name, in the Lord I will praise his name. He said, even if the fig tree's not blossoming, even if I'm not seeing what I want to see right now, I'm going to make a decision to joy in the Lord, and I'm going to praise the God of my salvation. What's the result? Habakkuk said, then shout hallelujah. So, People are waiting for things to turn before they start to praise God. Habakkuk said, if you'll praise God, even when things aren't turning for your good, it'll cause God to act and intervene and turn things for your good. He said, then shall my feet like be strengthened like a, a, a deer's feet, and then will God make me to ride on the high places of the earth. Don't wait for the walls to fall before you start to thank God. Shout now. And I'm telling you, that demon of suicide is going to fall off your life. Number two, don't play garbage music. Don't play secular music. Ways to break. This is a practical one. Ways to break a su suicidal spirit. Stop playing music that makes you want to kill yourself. When I was a teenager and I had anxiety and all that stuff and I, I didn't want to live anymore. I played Slipknot. I played all kinds of heavy screamo and metal and it didn't make me feel better. It fueled the depression. It fueled the suicidal thoughts. It just appealed to my flesh that was already feeling this way. That's why you want to listen to it. Because it just, oh, I have someone that relates. Oh, I have someone. You don't want someone that relates. You want someone that can help. And I talked about it. Praise music is what gets God, who's the only one who can help you, to help. So get rid of garbage music. Get rid of secular music. Stop listening to Rihanna. Stop listening to, oh, and I don't, it has such a nice tune. I love the melody. All right. You can either choose. Do you want the melody or do you want deliverance? Do you want the... It's got a nice tune. There are a lot of songs I've heard in movies and stuff. They got a nice tune. You go and look it up and they're secular. They're totally... They're, they're not biblical at all. They're not, they're not God honoring. I don't want to listen to anything that doesn't honor God. I know people think this is harsh. I love my Kanye. I love my this. I love my that. I love my Bieber. I love... Whatever. I know people are like so attached to the music because, you know, I... I really feel, I feel, I connect with the, the lyricist. I connect with the singer. All right, you want to connect with the singer or do you want to connect with God? That's my question to you. There's people that are, they've, they've set up an app. You know, what you take in your ears and what you take in with your eyes will absolutely determine what goes on in your heart. Jesus said, the eye is the window, the gateway to the soul. And you can equally say it. Say that your ear also is the gateway to the soul, gateway to your heart. Jesus said, if you make your eye single, meaning if you focus on me, your whole body will be filled with light. But if you don't focus on me, it, it, it's going to be darkness that floods your soul. It's going to be dark thoughts. 
And the enemy's going to have a foothold in your life. Quit playing music just because it has a nice tune. Because you understand this, your confession matters. There's people that sing lyrics. They don't even know what they're singing. By your own words, you're inviting demonic activity into your life. There's some lyrics, they're so demonic. Just because the person sings it with a, a light and happy song. There's some techno songs I used to listen to. I look back on it, I'm like, how did I ever even... When I got saved, it's like the Lord opened my eyes. I'm like, how did I ever even... Who in the right mind would sing those songs? Who in the right mind would even want to mouth those words? Your confession matters. What you say today is what you'll experience tomorrow. So if you're constantly repeating these songs that, that proclaim death on your life and proclaim hardship on your life and proclaim all kinds of trouble on your life, then don't be surprised if that's how you're always feeling. Singing is spiritual. You're either going to invite God in your life by the words that you sing or you're going to invite demons into your life by the words that you sing. You know, when there was an evil spirit sent to Saul and he was troubled, depressed, what did Saul do? He fetched for David and David, who played anoint, an anointed, anointed music on the harp, as David played that harp in an anoint, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he sang his, I'm sure he sang his psalms that he had written down to God, the evil spirit left Saul. The evil spirit left Saul. Stop playing garbage on your TV, in your home. Things that exalt adultery. Things that exalt sin. Things that glorify sin. Turn that crap off. Oh, it's harmless. It's not harmless. That's the devil who wants to make you to think it's harmless. I'm telling you, this is a major, a major thing. When I was penning my notes yesterday, this is a, a thing the Holy Spirit kept highlighting. There's many people that are depressed and suicidal because of what they watch. Stop watching the Lifetime Movie Network where it's just movies of horrible things and tragic things that happen to people that just leaves you in tears. Well, no wonder you want to put a 9mm to your head. I would too if all I did was watch, you know, Grey's Anatomy of people, killing, uh, people dying of, of sickness prematurely or whatever. Or if all I'm watching is that show, um, what, what, This Is Us. My, I, I walked into a room where someone was watching it. I watched it for three minutes, and I, I didn't even have the will to live after that. I mean, why would you? It's all just, it fills your heart with sorrow. What you let in from here and here is what's going to fill your heart. And that's why I'm telling you, you have the choice. You have the choice. Number three, take in the Word daily. Get in the Word of God daily. Listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 15. When you're a wordless Christian, you're going to be a Christian that struggles. If you don't have the, you know, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So your life is not the product of just your natural diet. Your life, your well-being is going to be the product of your spiritual, spiritual diet. The word of God carries joy. How do we know that? Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them. And your word became to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Hallelujah. Your words were found and I did eat them. And the word of God became to me 
the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So God's word carries his joy, his supernatural heavenly joy, that when you intake it, when you chew it, when you eat it, it actually releases that divine joy into your heart. Listen to Psalm 119 and 165. Great peace, great joy, great peace have those who love your word and nothing shall cause them to stumble. Who love your word. I'm not talking about casually reading it like on the Bible app, verse of the day. That's your only intake. That's, that's, could you imagine if all I did was get a granola bar to eat every single day of my life? All I did was eat one granola bar. That's all I did. For every, every, I, what would I look like in the natural? I'd look emaciated. I'd look so skinny. I'd look unhealthy, malnutritioned. I'd look like a mess. I'd look lifeless. I'd have no energy. Well, some people, they give their spirit one cold snack a week and they think that they're going to exude heavenly joy. Doesn't work that way. You have to set time. Don't give God your spare time to read his word. Set a time to read his word every day. Jesus said, man does not live. The quality of your life is not based solely upon your natural diet, but on how much of the word you get into your spirit. Every single day. Every single day. Listen to this in John chapter 16. Jesus speaking. John chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. You may have peace. I think it's in John 14. Jesus also says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be made in you. So Jesus said, my words that I speak to you will actually produce a harvest of joy in your heart. A harvest of joy in your heart. The psalmist said, I would have lost heart. I would have got depressed had I not believed your word. Well, you can't believe his word unless you take in his word. I would have lost heart had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So the way, you, the way you defend yourself against sorrow of heart is by regularly studying the word of God. Listen to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And beginning with verse 20. My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Life. It's life. A suicidal spirit wants you to take your life. The Word of God gives you hope to live, to keep on living, and to make the best of life. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip went down to Samaria, he preached Christ to the people. He spoke the word of God to the people. What was the result? Great joy filled the entire city. Great joy. When Jesus spoke with those two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, and then Jesus revealed himself to them as they broke bread at the table, the Bible says that the two men looked to each other and he said, didn't our hearts burn with joy? Weren't we filled with joy? Didn't our hearts burn as he spoke to us along the way? When you, I'm telling you, this, this is a supernatural book. 
When you start to take it in and read it and study it, it starts to burn and brand in you a level of joy that the world can give you and the world and the devil can never take away from you. The Bible says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word, what's a good word? Can't get a better word than this one. A good word makes it glad. Gladness is in the word of God. It's like, you know, these, you go to a, a psychiatrist. They give you prescription med. You take that knowing that that medication is going to dissolve into your body and affect your biology and make you feel a little better for a couple of hours. Well, why can't you have that same faith for this book? That when you take it in, like a pill, you, you might not feel better right away, but like a pill, as you take it in every day at the prescribed time, every day. You know, Psalmist said, how blessed is the man who delights in your word day and night. He's like a tree firmly planted by the riverbank that yields fruit in every season. You see, that's the thing. When you get in the word day and night, and you delight yourself in it. You actually take joy in reading it. You actually have a disciplined approach to reading it. You begin to plant yourself by streams. Streams. What's the streams talking about? Psalm 46 says, There is a river, there is streams that make glad the city of God. The streams is talking about the joy, the waters of joy that heaven has. When you plant yourself in the word, you're planting yourself by those streams of living water, of gladness of heart, of joy of heart. And though, no matter what's going on in the natural, you're partaking of a source of joy that is not visible, but yet very real. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, as His divine nature, or His divine power has been given to us through the knowledge of Him, who called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4, And by the great and magnificent promises in this word, you have become partakers of the divine nature. In God's nature is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the second fruit of the Spirit. God is love, God is joy. And the Bible says when you read these magnificent promises and get them in your heart, you partake of that divine nature of joy. That joy begins to exude in and through you. Joy is a prime component of the nature of God. And when you partake of His Word, you partake of that nature. When you get into the Word, you're beginning to synchronize with His nature. And His nature begins to overwhelmingly take over. Hallelujah. Number three, get in the Word. Number four, stop drinking alcohol. This one's going to hurt a lot of people. I'm curious to see whether the viewer count's going to go down. This is a huge one. And I'll tell you why. The world's been told that if you're feeling stressed or weighed down, the solution is to have a glass of, a glass of wine. Take a glass of wine. Drink a little one. G drink a little bit. Take a shot. Loosen up. They've been, the world's been taught that you just loosen up. And I'm sad to say there are Christians, and I can see your Instagrams. There are Christians that will post they're drinking something, taking a, taking a little break after a long week's work. Let me tell you what the Bible has to say about alcohol. It doesn't have anything good to say. And if this hurts you, if this offends you to the point where I, I'm unsubscribing, then you have an issue with alcohol. And you should, you, should, you should quit it. Proverbs chapter 31, listen to this. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink intoxicating drink or wine. Lest they drink and forget the word. So that's 
one of the things, I mean, they've proven it with science now, that when you drink alcohol, you actually kill brain cells. And the less brain cells you have, the less power you have to remembering things. So the Bible had inside information on that year, thousands of years before science caught up. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to who? So he's saying give alcohol to those that are perishing. Those who don't know the Lord. It, they, have, they, they, they have, I mean, they're sinners. They sinners sin. Fish swim. Birds fly. Sinners sin. So the writer is saying give strong drink to those that are perishing. Who have no reason to live. They don't have hope for eternal life. Let them drink. Give wine to those who are of bitter heart. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. So the Bible says that alcohol, drink, wine is to be consumed by those who are hopeless. By those who, are, who, who don't have the hope of eternity. By those who don't know Jesus. That don't believe in the cross of Christ. That don't believe that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whosoever should believe on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Proverbs says that's, that's, who, that's who should be a candidate to drink alcohol. But for those who do believe all those things, quit drinking a wine, oh, a glass of wine to wind down after a hard day's work. Stop saying, oh, I just take a little bit with my meal. Do you know they've actually proven all this stuff to be false? It doesn't, have, it doesn't even help you? Listen to this, Proverbs 23. This is a huge one. Proverbs 23. Because... What does, what does alcohol do? Alcohol amplifies the flesh. The flesh is where the devil takes opportunity to bring depression. The flesh and the soul. Alcohol amplifies the, the effects of the flesh and the soul. When the Bible says we're to crucify our flesh and the desires of our soul. So when you consume alcohol regularly, you're actually amplifying the thing that God said to crucify. And so it's no wonder. The devil... In your soul is trying to get you to, to end your life. You have suicidal thoughts. You think drinking wine or alcohol or beer or whatever is going to help you deal with those thoughts. In actual fact, all it does is multiply those thoughts and strengthen the hold the enemy has on you in those areas. Proverbs 23. Who has woe? Who has sorrow of heart? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has woundness? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? The, the writer of Proverbs is saying, who, who has all these problems? Who has all these complaints? Who has sorrow of heart, depression, suicidal thoughts? Those who linger long at wine and those who go and search for mixed drink. But at last it'll bite like a viper, sting like a serpent, and your eyes will see strange things. So the writer of Proverbs, the Bible never, never con condones alcohol. The Bible condemns alcohol. I know there's going to be people that say, well, you know, Jesus, he, he, he provided wine at the wedding feast. First of all, the wine that they drank in those days was in nowhere compare, uh, worthy to be compared with the wine that people drink today. It's so heavily fermented that there's like 14, 16% alcohol. Back, back in those days, if there was alcohol in the wine, which actually you can study it, the grapes that they fermented sometimes was very little, like 0.2% alcohol. It was, it was barely alcoholic. And so don't go on and then don't go on and say that, you know, you can have your one, you know, 280 milliliter of wine every night 
and compare it to what they drank back in the day. That one 250 milliliter glass of wine can actually buzz you and get you knocked out. Whereas you can drink three or four glasses of wine in Jesus' day and it wouldn't even have an effect on you. So people that are making, if you, if you hear this and you're just making excuses now, you know, Jesus drank wine. No, he didn't. Anyways. Number five, get into a good Bible-believing church. This is huge because everyone that writes to me and says, I, I want to kill myself, I always ask them this number one question. What church do you go to? And 95% of time they said, I don't go to church. Plug into a church. He that abides in me, Jesus said, and I abide in them, they shall bring forth much fruit. So if you're not abiding in him, and a part of abiding in him is abiding in his body, and the body of Christ is the church. So if you don't abide in him, you're not going to produce the good fruit. You're not going to produce the fruit of joy. There's people that neglect communion and fellowship with the body of Christ. And it's a key component to joy. Fellowship is a key component to joy. You can't isolate yourself and expect to be a happy person. I'm telling you, everyone, most 95% of people that write in that say, I'm suicidal and I want to kill myself. I have no joy. I have no purpose. I, have no, I, I ask them, do you go to church? No, I don't attend a church. I do church online. It's not enough. Plug into a church. Plug into a church. Well, I don't have time to go on Sundays. Make time. Well, I work on Sundays. Quit your job. Well, that's harsh. How can you tell? That's their livelihood. What do you want more? Money in your bank or joy in your heart? And God, if, I'm telling you, if you'll put God first in this area and seek first the kingdom of God in this area, making and prioritizing that the sun, Sunday is my, my time to be in the house of God, you'll see everything you have to give up to make time for the house of God, God will give you better. You'll get a better job. You'll get a better everything. Sunday's my only day off. Well, you look burnt out. You look burnt out taking a day off on Sundays. Might as well at least go to church. You look burnt out anyways. Hasn't worked for you. Might as well go to church. You know, the Sabbath is the day of rest. And part of the Sabbath is not just not doing anything. It's when they celebrated Sabbath in the Old, Te in the Old Testament, in the Jewish law, they, got, they went to the synagogue to hear the word of God. So the Sabbath that's to be set aside is not just to stay home and do nothing. It's to come together with the people of God. Psalm 92, those that plant their feet in the house of God will flourish in the courts of God. You can't flourish in God's plan and vision for your life if you're not planted in His house. And I'll say a second thing that ties in with plugging into a local church. Don't just plug in to attend. Connect. Put your hand to the plow. Plug into the vision of God for your life. For lack of vision, my people perish, the Bible says. People are depressed because they don't know the vision of God or they're not carrying out God's vision for their life, God's call for their life. You can't experience God's joy unless you're tied to His heavenly assignment. Tie yourself to His heavenly assignment. Do what God's called you to do. If you're outside the will of God, God's told you to do something. You're supposed to be in ministry, but you're delaying it. Look at Jonah. When he fled from God's will, what did it lead? It led to horrible times in his life. It led to him wanting to kill himself. What did he do? He jumped overboard. He wanted to end his life. He said, I'd rather kill myself than go to Nineveh. He, he, he entered into a suicidal spiral of depression. And then when he turned back and actually followed the will of God for his life, then the depression left. And he ended up doing great things. So follow God's call for your life. Plug into his vision. In God's vision is His provision for everything you need in life.
When the disciples went out and they did God's will and, and fulfilled the heavenly assignment, they cast out demons, they healed the sick, the Bible says they returned with great joy. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name I prophesy, as you make it a decision today, you know, I've put this off long enough. I've turned my back on God's call for long enough. Today, I'm turning, like Jonah, I'm having that revelation and I'm going to move, I'm moving towards God and not away from God. I prophesy there's, you don't have to wait, you're not going to have to wait for joy. That joy is going to pour out on you. The moment you, you resolve in your spirit today that I'm going to chase God's plan with everything that is in me. I'm putting my hand to the plow and I'm going to plow as hard as I can. You're not going to have to wait to be filled with joy. That suicidal spirit of depression is being broken off your life and joy is filling your heart today in Jesus' name. Number six, get rid of sin. And I'm not going to spend much on this because this is an obvious one. You can't, you can't sow sinful seed and reap a righteous reward of joy. Joy belongs to the people of God. Joy belongs to the people of God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can't reap the joy of the Lord if you're sowing the seed of sin. You just can't. Psalm 45 says, Because you have hated sin and loved righteousness, God will anoint you with the oil of joy above all your fellows. You have to hate sin and love righteousness if you're going to partake of that oil of joy. Joy is an anointing. The oil of joy, it's an anointing. And that anointing does not coexist with a person, an individual, a vessel that's not given to consecration, that's not given to holy living. The Bible says without holiness, nobody can see the Lord. Nobody can partake of the Lord. Nobody can ever taste and see that the Lord is good without holiness. Get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. Number seven, I'm going to finish with this, prayer. Prayer allows you to access the yoke-destroying anointing. The Bible says, cast your care on the Lord, for He cares for you. Prayer is that place of spiritual transaction where you cast onto Him all your cares, all your burdens, all your problems, all your trials. And then in exchange, He gives you all His joy, all, your, all His peace, all His solutions, all His goodness. You have to, there's too many people that they have like a, a fishing rod. They cast their care and then they reel it back in. They take it back in. Cast it and leave it there. Much depression is caused and suicidal thoughts is caused because people have overloaded themselves with burdens and cares that they're not called to, call, to, to carry. God didn't call you to carry burdens. God, God called you to carry blessing. God did not call you to carry burdens. God called you to carry blessings. And so when we go to prayer, you know, John 15, I'll quote it again. Let me read it again. John 15. I'll read it this time instead of quoting it. John chapter 15. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I spoke to you. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in, vi in the vine. So he's saying, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, we can't bear the fruit of the Spirit by ourselves unless we connect with God daily in prayer. He said, it's just like a branch that's isolated. You take a branch, break it off a tree and throw it on the ground. That thing's going to die and dry up very quick. It ain't going to produce leaves and it ain't going to produce fruit. He says, if you don't connect with me daily in prayer, you're going to be like that, that dried up, withered branch. You're not going to bear fruit. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. The vine 
is where the life of the tree is. The vine. God, Jesus said, I am the vine. I am where joy is. I am where deliverance is. And until you plug in and stay connected to me, you're never going to experience and taste of the joy of the Lord. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. But it, and if anyone does not abide in me, if anyone neglects the place of prayer, if anyone refuses to spend time with me daily, he is cast out as a branch and begins to wither away. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Now skip to John chapter 16, 23 and 24. In that day, you'll ask me nothing. Jesus speaking of prayer here. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that's what prayer is. We're asking the Father in, our, in, in Jesus' name. He will give you. Verse 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So Jesus is saying when you enter into prayer and you begin to connect with the branch, that's when you're going to experience full joy exuding from you. Why? Because in prayer, the anointing is strong. And you access that yoke-destroying anointing. What's a yoke? See, suicidal. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you in, a, in like, a couple, like two more minutes. I'm going to pray for you because I feel the anointing building right now. It's been building this entire broadcast, but it's strong now. Suicidal spirit is a yoke of bondage. Isaiah 10, 27. In that day, the burden will be lifted up and the yoke shall be destroyed, broken, destroyed forever because of the anointing. A yoke is what they would put on animals, oxen, to guide, gear, and shift them in the direction they wanted them to go. The oxen, didn't have, they had limited mobility and they didn't have the ability to decide or determine where they wanted to go. They went where the master pulled them. And so the suicidal yoke of bondage is, is directed and geared and controlled by the master called Satan. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 3, let me, let me read this. Mark chapter 3. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but as an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he'll plunder his house. And this is what I'm going to pray for you right now. That the master Satan, who masters the yoke of suicidal spirits and the yoke of bondage, of depression, he can't be fended off until one stronger than he enters in and destroys his masterful hold over that person. Destroys him as the master of that house. Destroys him as the... The one who has control over the yoke destroys the yoke itself. Jesus was referring to himself. I'm the one stronger than... You can't work it up. You can't work up joyful feelings. You can do things in the natural, you know, go on vacation and all that. But the moment you come back to normal living, it's like it just floods back in. You can't... You cannot work this thing up in the flesh. Jesus said, unless one stronger 
Then Satan comes in. He'll continue to have mastership over you and continue to boss you around with this suicidal spirit. But Jesus said, take heart. The one stronger than he is here. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is the one that's stronger. That's here today to destroy the yoke of suicidal bondage off your life. And then, we're, and then it doesn't stop there. See, Jesus didn't just come to destroy the yoke. But he said, then you can plunder his house. What does that mean? You can take back everything the devil's stolen from you. All those years of pleasure. All those years of joy. All those years where you feel like you've wasted time soaking and sorrowing and shedding tears of sorrow in your bed night after night, day after day. God's not only going to deliver you from that yoke of bondage today, but God is going to redeem the years that the locusts have chewed up and eaten. I prophesy that in Jesus' name. And I'm going to pray for you right now. The anointing is strong. Those of you watching now and on the replay, I want you to lift up your eyes, uh, lift up your hands and close your eyes. And I'm going to pray for you. And the Holy Ghost is, I'm telling you, the yoke destroying anointing is here. The, those suicidal thoughts that you've experienced time and time again, you will experience no more. Those Egyptians that you have seen today, Moses, uh, God told Moses, you shall see no more. What does that mean? I'm giving you total and ultimate victory today. I'm giving you a victory that shall endure a victory that shall remain you are entering in to a victory you are enjoying you are going to experience a long lasting victory and by long lasting i don't mean five years ten years i mean eternally secured by the blood of jesus in the name of jesus I take authority over that demon spirit of suicide right now all over this globe. No matter what nation you're watching from, that foul spirit of suicide, come off them now in Jesus' name. I rebuke you by the power and authority of the name of Jesus. You have no legal right to remain. You have no legal right to remain. They have repented of sin. They have renounced the hidden things of darkness. They are part of the body of Christ. They're children and sons and daughters of God. You have no legal right to stay one moment moment I rebuke you I lift your I, I I cast you out of their life I command your hand to lift off their minds now in Jesus name in the name of Jesus now take 15 seconds lift your hands and thank God thank him that you're delivered thank him that you're set free thank him that the joy now the devil's backed off but now we're gonna lose joy heavenly joy thou anointest my head with oil that God Heaven is anointing your head right now with the oil of joy, the oil of gladness. Tears of sorrow are being washed away. Tears of joy. The Lord has brought you back out of captivity into Zion. Your mouth shall be filled with laughter. Your tongue shall be filled with joyful singing. And even those around you who said, man, I'm, not, I'm worried for that person. I'm worried for sister so-and-so. They've worried and concerned themselves about you. They'll gather around you and say what great things the Lord has done for you. You've gone forth and you have shed tears of sorrow. You are reaping tears of joy today. Be filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost right now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. The kingdom of heaven is not in meat and drink, but it is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit.
I want to give you an invitation right now. You're watching me now and you're not right with God. Your heart's far away from God. You've fallen, a, you've fallen away from God. But you want to draw near to Him today. You want to give your life to Jesus today. Maybe you've, you've never made a decision to give, commit your life to Christ. But today, you, you've, you've experienced the power of God. And you're saying, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. Don't wait any more, any more time. Don't d delay this decision one more day. If you have done it in the past, but you'd like to recommit your life to Christ today, don't delay it one more moment. Give your life to Jesus. Bow your knee to the foot of the cross. God will forgive you of all your sin. He'll wash your sin away. He'll give you a new life, new purpose, new vision. He'll make you right. He'll justify you. It'll be as if you've never sinned before God. He'll give you the Holy Spirit and empower you to live for Him. Pray this with me if that's you. Very quickly, I want you to pray this with me from the bottom of your heart. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. For I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus is Lord. Wash me clean. Today, I'm turning to you. I'll never be the same. I'm a new creation. Heaven is my home. God is my Father. I'm born again. Jesus is my Lord. I'm forgiven. And I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to my website, salvationnow.ca. Someone can pop it up in the comments. You'd be very helpful for, to me by doing that. Salvationnow.ca. Click the first link that pops up. Is I just got saved. It's the first thing that pops up on the screen. I just got saved. Click that. Fill it out. The form that's there. Fill out that form. I want to get something to you free of charge. A Bible. We've prepared a package for you. We're not asking for money. We're not doing any of that. I want to... I want to welcome you into the family of God by giving you a gift that we give everyone that makes this decision. It's a Bible. It's some literature, uh, a book by T.L. Osborne and stuff. It's, it's going to help you a lot. And I want to get you started on this new journey with Jesus Christ. Go and do that. SalvationNow.ca. I just got saved. Click it. Fill it out. And I look forward to hearing from you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.